0: On this 46th episode of Goat Gab, we're talking about starting out, starting over, or starting something new. Many people kind of accidentally get into dairy goats. They decide they want a family milker or they see something on Craigslist or Facebook for sale. They fall in love with that cute little spotted Nubian or Nigerian kid, and then they bring it home. But what if you could take the knowledge that you have gained from your own experience and start all new? Maybe you've just been thinking about getting into goats and you found goat gab or maybe you took a temporary break from dairy goats and you're now getting back in or maybe you just want to add another breed or change the goals that you have. This week's episode Cameron and I talk about things to consider as you're starting out with dairy goats. (coughs) Hello goat gabbers! We are so excited to have you here with us on another exciting episode of Goat Gab. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Laura
1: Warren-Hughes. And I'm the other co-host, Cameron Chidlowski. And we are excited to bring you episode number 46 of Goat Gab. Laura, I can't believe we've been doing this for 46 episodes now.
0: I know. It's kind of fun, isn't it, to think back on that? Though my daughters tell me, oh my gosh, mom, if you tell people about your podcast, Tell them not to listen to the very first episode because it's it's just so bad. Well, I like to see it as that we've grown since then.
1: Yes, and lots of growth, um, both in our editing and in our podcasting ability. I would say, <laughs> um, but right. but it, it's it's exciting to look back and see that growth. Um, but it's also exciting to and look outside so and fun. see our herds. Oh, go ahead.
0: All the people that we've met too. I oh, mean, that's just yeah.
1: that's just been so much fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The people, um, the the places that this podcast has taken us, um, it's truly brought lots of joy into my life. And I know your life as well, Laura.
0: Yes, very much so. And yeah. um, a lot of friendships and a lot. It's, it's just been fun. So thank you all for being on this journey with us.
1: Yeah, but let's talk about the goats. And Laura, you had an exciting week showing your goats at the Missouri State Fair.
0: Well, it was a lot of fun at the state fair. Um, you know, to quote one of my daughters who put something I think on our Facebook page, it's like coming home and it, and it always is. Um, I look back, you know, one of the, one of the nice things, a positive thing about Facebook is when you can look back over your memories. And it was really neat to look back at the 2009 Missouri State Fair picture I put up of my three girls with our foundation dough. Um, that was the first state fair that we had taken alpine dairy goats too. And the girls are so little. And I look at them and I think, wow. Um, one of them, she's hard, her head's Caroline, my youngest, her head's hardly over the withers of our dough. So it's just so cool to see, um, the kids growing up and, and think about all the memories that we've made showing at that state fair. So it was a lot of fun. We had a, we had a really good time. Um, we're really happy with our, with where our does placed. So, um, But I did want to share something about just a couple of interesting things about the State Fair. So the first one, and I don't mean this in any way to brag about anything that I did. I'm going to brag on um, my daughters and especially my youngest daughter, Caroline. Um, They don't always listen to our Goat Gab episodes, Cameron. But – this time they listened to the one that I did about the state fair and especially took to heart when I said you can't look like a hobo
1: (laughs) okay okay
0: so so first of all they all realized that that meant that you can't wear pajama pants around the tack pin all day not that they did but sometimes they wore it a little bit later but um we didn't have any pins where we had like cots or everything out. We cleaned that up by seven in the morning every day, you know, because we're alpine showmen, so you have to show at eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And then um Caroline just she was just constantly up, moving around, sweeping, filling water buckets, refilling hay, and and all of us helped with that. But that was really her thing. She had a broom in her hand all the time, was always sweeping, answering questions to people shutting t- tack boxes, making sure the feed was put away, um just really had our pins looking just like they should look for a state fair. And I just thought that was so neat. Now, along with that, I think most state fairs
1: give a herdsman award. Um, yeah, or, so- just- or something like that, yes.
0: Right, uh-huh. And so we've really always wanted to win it but haven't in the past. And I didn't really feel like that we probably had a chance to win it this year because uh, my middle daughter was um, working for the sheep barn where they show the goats at and was one of the superintendents this year. So I just really didn't figure that we had a, a chance chance because, you know, she was there. So the very last award that they gave out at the state fair was the herdsman award. And we won that. And I'm just, I was just so proud um, to see the hard work that my daughter put in that Paying off, you know, that was that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, you definitely have the right to brag on that. You have some pretty awesome kids, if I do say so myself. I, I might make fun of them every once in a while or yell at their sh- yell at them for their showmanship, goat. But you do have some great kids, I will say.
0: Well, heck, I make fun of them too, Cameron. So it's <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. But but you know, all those years that I complained about and and have complained on the podcast about you know a, a show mom's life at a show is uh, throwing away half drunk bottles of water and pop the whole weekend. Um, Caroline did that for me and she made a point to point that out. So that was kind of fun. Another thing that happened at our state fair that was really cool. um, We had one heck of an Oberhosley show and it's been many years since Missouri had a lot of Oberhausleys. Most of the time we're official, not always, but, but it's usually one breeder really working hard to make it official. Um, this year we had several breeders that brought in just some beautiful Oberhosleys and, um, best of breed Oberhosle, grand champion and best of breed Oberhosle was a first place milking yearling. And she really, really, really was deserving. Just a beautiful little doe. So, um, we all went in for best in show. And I'll be danged if that judge didn't make that milking yearling best in show. And Cameron, I don't know that I've ever seen that
1: happen before. Have you? No, I haven't. And I've never done it myself. Um, And I really think it takes takes a spectacular animal to do that. Even uh, just a first freshener in general to make them best in show over the added maturity, the added production, the added um, body development of the older does. And it truly takes a magnificent animal. So kudos and hats off to that animal. Yeah, she
0: was, she was very beautiful. I, I didn't get permission from the breeder to say who she was, so I don't think I will, but, um, it's always fun when somebody wins best in show and the whole, um, arena cheers for them. And this was certainly the case with this one. She was a beautiful doe. So that was kind of fun. Um, something else that my daughters and I talked about a little bit, Cameron, we really feel like at the state fair, but also. Kind of in general at all the shows that we've been to, people have just been really nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, I, I you think you agree. Yeah, I think so. And I felt like um obviously in 2019 we'd been to some shows that we hadn't been to in previous years before, but then going back the second year, it just seemed a lot n- nicer. General attitude was better um compared to in 2019. And, and not that's not to say that you know, because for some reason or another, we were showing up shows that we had never been to before. But the overall attitude has just been, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to see you. Let's talk goats. And I don't care who you are. We can talk goats with anyone just because we haven't seen each other in a long time.
0: Yes, I, I agree. And the the helpful attitude, just everybody helping everybody, even you know, newbies Hey, can I help you? Even if it's just holding animals or being in group classes, I just felt like there were smiles on every face and people were just just kind and happy to be there. It was it was really awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have that general vibe this year as well.
0: Yeah. So so that's kind of a, a good wrap up. I, I think this is our last show. We may may hit a buck show. Depends on if I, you know, really feel like I can't not go to a show. <laughs> um, but It's kind of nice to pack the tack away for the last time and um, sort through the tack box and get all the things that are going to explode when they freeze this fall, if it ever gets cold again. Yes, uh, you know, kind of get from there.
1: We're going to have an episode later on um, about unpacking the show season, as well after my last show here in a couple weeks. So be on the lookout for that because it's just as important to pack it away uh, as it is to pack it for a show.
0: And I think both of us have some good things to share about what happens
1: when you don't do a good job of it. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So, so that's my life. What about you? Uh, This week we went to a goat show as well on Sunday um, and it was a special one. And I'm going to try to not get emotional about this because it's hard. Um, This year, the Illinois Dairy Goat Association lost uh, one of its members, Mark Oldfather. And he was just A a special guy, always a smile on his face, always there to help you. Never said no to a a request for help. Great guy to talk to, and a hell of a trailer backer. So we and we needed that oftentimes in life. So uh, his goat show that him and his wife Penny put on uh, was this weekend at, at the Fairbury Fair, and we had the opportunity to go, and we had the opportunity to see a lot of our friends, and it was just so nice to sit and visit with our friends that maybe we hadn't seen all show season. It was so nice. This is the first show I sat and actually watched the show to some extent, sat near the ring, watched the show for like a whole breed. It was, it was nice. It was great. You know,
0: Cameron, I know in the past, we've kind of mentioned this a little bit about, um, when you go to shows that aren't multiple ring shows, how nice it is to be able to sit and watch. And uh, I think your weekend experience proved that out again. It, yeah. Sometimes it's just nice to do that.
1: Yes, absolutely. It was great to see, um, you know, our friends and, and kind of, you know, this is the second to last show for us, but it's 45 minutes away. And, and it was, it was great to see them and and really um, do something that Mark loved, which was show goats and really, uh, memorialize that. And then we had the honor of winning uh, best senior don't show, which is a traveling trophy now in, in his name. So um, truly an honor. am again, I'm trying not to get emotional here because he was an awesome guy and someone that will be missed in the Illinois dairy goat community um, for the rest for, for, uh, for a while. So yes,
0: I love that. I, I hope that when it's my time to, to, um, check out of the the show ring here. <laughs> um, I can't think of a better way to celebrate somebody's life who loved goats than um, to
1: have a show. So I think that's pretty neat. Yes, absolutely. On a happier note or a sadder note, I don't know what you want to call it here. I was able on Saturday to go to deliver a buck and then um, have lunch with my in-laws uh, after I brought back their semen tank, uh, my fiance's semen tank, and then um, was able to pick up A buck as well to breed. Um, So very excited about him. Uh, It is a sable buck, if you are a sable enthusiast, um, but had all sorts of trouble catching him. I will say that.
0: It's always hard to catch a buck when they don't want to be caught. But if it was one of these um, 105 real field days outside, that would
1: compound the problem, I would think. It was worse. It was raining. Oh gosh. Yuck. Chasing him through three pastures. And I'm not kidding you, Laura. He juked me like a football running back would. His head went one way and his body went over, and I fell in that pasture. Oh no. Yuck. Yes. So So yes, we have a, a new addition here, and that's that was that's the highlight of my week. Well, it sounds like sounds like a busy one.
0: So, anything you want to talk about happening in the world of ADGA?
1: Well, it seems like in in the ADGA world, they're getting caught up in the office. Um, And again, if you do have outstanding paperwork, it is being requested that you, one, probably either contact your director or two, submit a ticket in order to get that done. So, that is exciting and progress is coming. Um, So... I'm excited about that, I guess I'd, I'd like to see I'd like to hear the progress more about the the story side from what is happening with these enhancements what specific enhancements are coming out and then what enhancements are in the docket as well. I'd like to see that some type of public document made available
0: well i speaking of public documents, I mm-hmm. do really appreciate. Um, the emails that they send out periodically on how to do something. It's almost like you should print this off and put them in a little binder so that when you need to, um well, the one that came out today, I think was on AI memos, Yeah. how to do that so that you've got in the future. I think that's, I think it's really an awesome thing, a, a good way to keep in touch. I wonder for the people who don't have email, I wonder how they get this information, but hopefully it'll be someplace that, can be
1: accessed mm-hmm. they almost need like a, a wiki site on how to do these things or some type of help guide or some type of database of of tutorials or something like that um yeah and like, i agree and just have a whole training system maybe youtube videos or something else i don't think anyone listens to the office at the office listens to this but just just some things that might you know help the members there that's a good idea yeah for sure yep also, Laura, and we talked about this earlier, the the big time where Laura Warren-Hughes steps foot in the board of directors meeting, Director of Warren-Hughes' Warren uh, convention <laughs> is coming up.
0: Well, and, and Dr. Ed also, so we'll be part of that <laughs> freshman class there, so
1: that'll be fun. Yes. Um, and you, write. Laura, why do you think people should consider attending convention? It's a little pricey. Um, You know, it's in Arizona. I have to take time away from my goats. But why do you think people should attend?
0: So I'm going to quote my late husband, Scott, who was a dairy goat guy. And uh, when we went to conventions when we were much younger, he said, an advocate convention is the only place that dairy goat people can get together and try to convince each other that what we do is even remotely normal. (laughs) Now I don't know that that's a great selling point for a convention, but going off of what he said, I'd like to tweak that a little bit. Mm -hmm. The cool thing about an added convention is you get to spend a week in a beautiful spot with a bunch of really nice people that don't smell like a buck that don't have hair stuck all over them because they've been clipping udders. It's not, um, you know, a hot sweaty goat show that you're hanging out or a buck collection. You actually can be um, civilized people go to amazing classes put on by people who might teach you things that you never had, had an opportunity to learn about with dairy goats, whether it's butchering dairy goats or um, making your own sausage or, Uh, soap making or cheese making or uh, fecal testing all kinds of of hands-on things all kinds of uh, theoretical things that you can learn about there are classes just about just about everything that have to do with dairy goats and they really spend a lot of time trying to make a good program so i would say um the, the learning opportunity is just golden. Of course, the opportunity to sit in a board of directors meeting to learn about what's going on with Agya to meet people and have some time to talk with them and make new friends is this is just the place to do it. So, and the spotlight sale is always fun, whether or not you intend to buy an animal or um, you. Um, partake of enough adult beverage that you decide it's a good idea at that moment to buy a new animal. The spotlight sale is a lot of fun to be part of. So
1: I think the biggest thing about convention is just the networking opportunity there. Um, and I think you hit the nail on the head, but it's truly an opportunity to meet some of the people you might not idolize, but people that you want to pick their brain on in a face to face scenario. Um, and it's just a great opportunity for that um and and it's always good you know we have we have facebook we have email we have phone calls and everything but nothing i i repeat nothing beats a good in person conversation
0: right and relaxed you know you can have an in person conversation at a national show but i don't know about you i didn't spend a lot of time sitting down i mean there's no. just you're really busy when you're at a show so uh this gives you a little more a little more peace time. And of course, if you are thinking about becoming an ad good judge, or even if you just like the opportunity to audit a training conference, you can do that there. And, and those are kind of fun. Or if you're interested in learning more about becoming an appraiser, uh, you can sit through the appraiser information sessions. And there's, there's just a lot to learn. Yeah.
1: Yes. Absolutely. There. The main topic, Lori, are, are we ready? I think we're ready. All I'm right. excited about this topic. Yes. You It'll be been, fun. You're, you're very, I know you're very excited. You have wanted to do this for about four weeks, I feel like. And I'll be like, okay, <laughs> okay. But on the list. It's on the list. And you're like, we're doing it this week. And I said, okay, we're doing it. So the topic right. is starting out, starting over, or starting something new. Laura, what does that mean? Okay. So the this is the reason why I wanted to do this. Somebody
0: um, came up to me at a show earlier this year and said, you know, if you, if you are going to start all over again with dairy goats, or you were starting from scratch, what would you do differently now that you have had dairy goats? And it internally, I kind of had to chuckle a little bit because that is my story. You know, I had dairy goats and then took a break from it. So um, I was I I had an opportunity to start from scratch and build a herd from that. And Cameron, I know that you and your family have done that same thing too.
1: Yeah. So within the last 10 years or so um, we transitioned out of La Mancha's and we transitioned um, into Sables. Eventually I will tell that story on the podcast. Um, But um, we transitioned into Sables. So I started not not exactly with different facilities but with different genetic lines and different animals and a different breed even. So um yeah, I think I kind of have a little I feel like I have a little bit of insight at least on acquiring animals, not on the facility setup so much. But we did just build a new barn too, so
0: yeah, so I think and and you know on the facilities part on my side uh I've kind of just thrown things together as I could and I would say that most of us kind of have that story, don't we do the best that you can, but, but I thought maybe we should approach it this time from if you, if money were no object or you, you can kind of decide what you want from the very get go. How would you do that? So that's kind of what we're going to look at either, either you're getting ready to start out and get really serious with your dairy goat project, or maybe you're like me, you had dairy goats and, and you took a break and you're getting ready to start over or maybe you're starting a new breed. You know, you you're established with one breed, but you'd like to get into something else. And and so I thought this might be a good opportunity to maybe look from the ground up how you'd start um, putting all of that together. So that's that's the basis of our topic today.
1: Perfect. All right, so let's start out with the facilities because I think the facilities is it's. it's You know, dairy goats to me is management, management, management. You can go out and buy, and this is my opinion, subpar genetics and still do probably okay at a goat show with subpar genetics if you manage them really well. Wouldn't you agree?
0: I would agree with that. And on the flip side of that, you could go out and spend lots and lots and lots of money buying the very top animals in a specific breed. But if you can't manage them, they're never going to reach their potential and you're probably not going to do very well with them.
1: Yeah. So the facilities, Laura, and let's talk about, um, you know, kind of how you envision your barn, your room. How do you, how would you kind of plan your own facility there?
0: Well, I think the first thing you have to think about, and, and this is a hard one to think about. You have to make sure that you have enough room and, and whether that room is talking about pasture room, if you're going to raise your animals on a pasture or dry lot room, you still need to consider how much room you have or it's barn space. Um, having an idea in your head, how many animals you actually would like to cap your herd at, and then make sure that you have enough room to do that. Or that the property that you have allows you to expand if you decide you need more. Cause face it, it it's kind of like, Um, anything else, (laughs) you can't build a barn too big.
1: (laughs) Yes. But if you're building it too small, it becomes a problem with you. If you have an insane amount of goats, like we have had at times. Um, but I will say they're at the university of Langston. Um, they have a certified dairy goat producer, um, certification. So um, they have actual material on like correct stocking densities in terms of barn space and what is needed there. So my advice to everyone that would, that would go out and wants to build a brand new facility, start there and do some of the university research and then just go maybe a smidge bigger.
0: Very interesting. So is this, is this a a course that you, that you sign up and pay for? No, it was absolutely free. The one I took it, I just had to pay for the certificate. Awesome. That's really cool. And that's through Langston. Yep. Good to know. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. So, I think, you know, maybe your the space that you have is limited by the property that you already own, which, you know, is is a good thing. You got to be limited by something. You can't have I, yes. an endless number of goats.
1: Yes, I think and I think almost being too big, it can be detrimental to a herd as well. Um, and you know, I think Laura, we've we've seen it in some herds in the past. So, um, but you know, making sure you understand the correct number of animals that you can have on your property is really important. But what, Laura, anything specific about the barn wise before? Um, you know, do, would you like individual stalls? Do you like small group pens? Do you like everybody together? What are your What are your thoughts there? I think you have to. If you're going at it
0: with experience yourself, you kind of know in your head what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like for me, my preference, I really like a big open barn because I feel like then you can make smaller pins if you need to or separate pins if you need to. But but the barns that I admire the most, and, and I'm saying this up front, I do not have this, but I'm going to. Because <laughs> like most of us, um, I made the decision to get the goats before I really put a lot of thought into uh, the facilities that I had. So as I said before, things are kind of cobbled together and um, the barns that I have have to be hand shoveled. So that's for the birds. And I'm going to say that up front, whatever you do, make sure that your barn can be cleaned by something mechanical, not your back and your arms.
1: A hundred percent agree on that. I I, I mean, I, I've done it both ways. The, me- the mechanical is uh, a lot easier. But I will say one thing about that is make sure that you do not build your barn to make it so complicated that a novice operator could not do that, could not clean it because that's the situation we're kind of in. So we often struggle at times and are in fear of breaking our current setup because of that. Oh yeah. I never thought about that. Sure. If you're not great with
0: being able to turn a maneuver, um, Um, a skid steer that might be challenging to get that barn clean, right yeah
1: yes absolutely
0: so i think if if you do make the decision to to put individual pins make sure that they can be taken down easily and reconfigured again for cleaning purposes um a lot of people like to use kidding pins i don't i don't like kidding pins, but I, you know, again, I think if that's something that's important to you, having an area of the barn that you can have kidding pins and especially ones that can be easily cleaned and moved and taken down when you're done with them is important.
1: One thing about kidding pins I will say is maybe you have it in an area that's close to, um, if you live in the Midwest, somewhere where it's warm, um, because you're going to be spending a lot of time out there in the winter or somewhere close. I like it in our facility because we are Really close to the kidding pens, or just on the other side of the milk parlor, actually, which you know could have drawbacks or whatever. But we can be doing something, trimming hooves or doing udders or something like that, and have the kid pens as well. So you don't have to feel like you're running from one facility to the other checking things.
0: Well, and on that same note, Cameron, if you can configure your barn so that you either have Wi Fi or some wired camera system so you can see what's going on in the barn. Oh gosh. That makes nights so much better when you're watching for does kidding.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree on that. I think it's important to, um, I, again, this is my personal preference. Kidding pens are my personal preference, um, as well. And if, if it were up to me, I would have my kidding pens probably in a different area than the kid, kid growing area, you know, the kid raising area. Um, just for potential better disease control of things there.
0: Well, so that, yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit, Cameron, because you guys have a really neat setup for your kids.
1: Yeah, we do. So we um, have a um, giant concrete slab, basically, right? That's adjacent from our milk um, bar or milk area area. Um, that's where our kids are. So it's really nice. And we pasteurize in the barn and do everything. And then we just take the milk right from the pasteurizers to the kids. Um, so it's super, super nice and convenient there. But we actually are able to separate kids out. We have about at its peak, we'll have about five pens, um, each with different ages. So our oldest kids will go in one pen, our next oldest kids, and our youngest kids, and maybe there'll be a pen of of bucks in the corner. Um, and then there'll be a an obscure pen. Maybe that's our pen that we're selling or has been sold as well. There, so we can, we can have about five different pens to really help, um, grow each pen. Yeah, I think
0: that I think that's a brilliant thought. Um, we tried something new this year where we put kids in our garage on concrete. And I know that I've mentioned before, we did all of our kidding in the space of about three weeks. So they all lived together for the most part, but having our kids on concrete where they were not in, um, proximity of mature goats or on land or, you know, in dirt where other goats had been, we had the fewest parasite problems and the best growing kids that we've ever had. So, um, you know, I'm not saying give up your garage for your baby goats, but having, having a facility that you can keep them separated and clean really can help, can help you grow successful kids. So, yes. you know, whatever you do, make sure that it's an area that's easy to clean, you can sanitize it and it works well for you. I think also having a play having a good place to store hay and feed and equipment is so important too.
1: Oh yes. I think almost And this sounds crazy, but if, if, if I had an unlimited budget, um, then I, I would build a whole other facility just to store hay. Yes. Oh
0: gosh. Because you could buy all of it at once. You could have it tested. So you know exactly what you're feeding and adjust your feed ration to that. Um, I, Cameron, I think you're kind of in the same spot that I am. I don't have a a lot of area to store hay, so I'm always buying, little bunches of hay. And it gets, it can be really difficult, yes. especially when everybody's sold out.
1: Yes. Every 14 days we go see our hay guy. And I, I love Brent to death. I actually took him to, I took him to dinner once cause I said, we appreciate you. So here's a steak dinner on us. Um, but I, if I can limit the amount of trips I have to go see Brent, I will. Yeah. Right. Not cause you don't like him. <laughs> no, no, not cause I don't like him. He just bleeds Um, me dry every 14 days. No,
0: (laughs) no, exactly. Uh, But Speaking of that, Cameron, can we talk about the flooring for your barn? Yeah. This is a topic that I see that comes up a lot on um, goat chat groups and so forth. What kind of, what kind of a floor do you think is the ideal? If you could choose what
1: you were going to do. So, Oh, that's a great question. Um, I am a huge fan of concrete. Um, Partially because it's easier to clean. You know where the bottom is of the concrete. Um, whereas if it's dirt, you don't necessarily know what it is or if it's a lime. Um, also, right. with a lime, we and we just actually limed our pens the other day. When we put the put the blade down for, for our um, skid steer, we dig up a little bit of that lime every time. So every time you clean, the little piece of lime is, is getting, excuse me um uh like we're eroded away. I can't even talk right now. Eroded away. So I prefer concrete. Um just everything concrete.
0: I yes, I agree with that, but I have a question for you on this. Yes. That. Yes. I've heard people say that they're worried about having their goats on concrete because they feel like it's hard on their feet and their pasterns especially. What do you think about that?
1: I would say we've had less problems with that. Uh, we also keep a very dense I will say dense um, amount of of bedding in the pens there um, I call my dad the king of straw because uh, we went through about a <laughs> hundred bales of it uh, granted we had gochos and all in about maybe a month and a half ish I don't know we had a lot of gochos in between there but that's nonetheless here nor there but um, I think if you keep a really solid amount of bedding on it, I feel like you're not going to get a lot of degradation of the, the pastures that people would see.
0: So what about the concern about concrete being cold in the wintertime? Have you found that not to be true?
1: No, I. I you know, I will say that, um, that it is colder. I will say that. We also generally don't clean our barn. We might clean it once in the winter and then bed down really, really good um, when we do that. Um, but yeah, I agree. One thing we also would do—we do this with our younger kids—is we put shavings down. We'll do a layer of shavings on the concrete, and then we will do um, straw over top. Right. No, I
0: think I've seen how well that works. It shows that makes sense to me.
1: Mm-hmm. Y- yes. What, a, Laura? You you have a dirt floor kind of in your milking area. Oh, I do,
0: and and I don't like it. I mean, the only <laughs> the only thing that's nice about the dirt floor is, um, you know, it does absorb. So mm-hmm. I don't have issues with it, but we have a lot of drainage problems. Um, so when it rains outside, my barn turns to mud. And so I, I'm not a fan of that. So I will have concrete someday.
1: So. Awesome. Yeah. I, I like it. Wa- I can't wait to come see it.
0: <laughs> well, uh, it's probably going to have to be when I'm retired.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh, um, 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 Let's but, talk about but, the milking area. Oh, can we go back for a minute? Oh yeah sure let's let's talk about drainage. Have you ever thought about your drainage in your place? Well, yeah, it's bad, and how I'm do you think
0: about it every time it rains? <laughs>
1: <laughs> how do you think that that could be improved? I'm just I'm kind of curious
0: um. You know, I th- I think starting out building a barn and and I will say this, I love the barn that I have just because it's very quaint. It's an old, old barn and it's got a really high ceiling and I've got bats in it. And it's it's just a cool old barn. But um they definitely did not level the ground when they built the barn, so it's 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 a mess. That's a that's a problem. So I think I would start out having it surveyed and getting it level and make sure that you know I'm starting out with a good level area to begin with, and then um, good drains in the barn. I think even if I have that concrete floor, there's going to be some drains in there because I think
1: I think you need that. Well, one thing I've thought about is, well, so think about it in terms of fields, and maybe this doesn't work, and maybe I'm just throwing throwing stuff at a wall and seeing if it sticks, um, is, you know, in fields, they have drain tile. Right. What would happen if we put drain tile underneath a barn system? Oh, I think that could work. Just, I don't know. Just potential. I would be interested to see what would happen, obviously, with all of the, the urine that is there. I don't know if that would be a problem for the drain tile. To move that in and out. But I am just kind of curious. That's my first thought. Secondly, going back to the leveling thing, I would actually probably make my barn a little higher than the ground around it.
0: Oh, gosh, yes, 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 yes. I just mean starting out with a level. Yes. With a level and then, yes, going up there. Because, you know, we all know that, that goats track stuff outside, so... It, your grand outside can get built up pretty quickly.
1: Yes. Yes. I, and currently we're running into the problem where, um, I don't know if it's like erosion or something else has happened, but, um, there's water actually seeping into the barn on right where the girls walk to go into the milk parlor. So that's kind of our big, one of our big issues right now, I would say. Um, but I feel like it's a champagne problem.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, but it's, it's a problem because we all know that goats love water. <laughs> And they, and they love, they love the opportunity when you're trying to drag them through water. You know, they, they definitely never put the brakes on and scream and act like you're killing them. Right.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So those are, those are good things to keep in, in in mind when you're thinking about the flooring and, and really the basic foundation of your barn. If you get to start out from brand new.
1: Yeah. Okay. Milking area now. Let's go on to the milking area. Cause I have a lot, I have a lot of thoughts on this actually.
0: Yeah. One of my very favorite milk rooms that I think about in my mind, um, was, uh, John and Paulette Brown in the Utter Way Herd. They had this milking room that the does, they had like four stanchions and the whole side of, of the barn that the does looked at, it was a, it was glass. So the does looked outside while they were being milked. Um, John had beautiful flowers out there that you could see, but there was perfect light, lots of natural light that came into that room. And um, it was just so pretty and sunny and just a really delightful place to be in. And I've always thought in my mind, if I had a milking room, I would want one like that, bright and airy, easy to see. If you're going to clip in there, you've got lots of natural light to help you with clipping. Um, so good lighting. I think that's an important part of a, of a good milk room.
1: My my thing that I would like is um, one of those stainless steel industrial sinks with running water. Not just running water, hot water. Oh, gosh, yes. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, it'd be so nice because my, my goats, they're prima donnas, but they love their hot water. So it'd be, it'd be so nice if I didn't have to carry it out in, in the summer and in the winter, too. I mean, it's cold. Right, yes. And you could just hook a hose to it. And
0: run it where you needed to, or when it was time to clean out your milking machine, you've got it right there that you can just do a hot water wash and and get it all done, and that'd be perfect. Yes, pasteurizers, not have to haul that in the house.
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan after seeing. So obviously, we have pasteurizers in the barn. I'm going to talk about that, but Catherine has has her pasteurization in the house, and woof, I am not a fan of that. No. Cause
0: you've got to slog all that milk in there and slog it back out. And Oh, it's miserable. I've done that before. That's
1: awful. Mm-hmm. I mean, you
0: do it, but it's
1: miserable. Yeah. Yes. What about Laura AC so, and heat and some type of heat? Okay. And heat? So,
0: and that's kind of jumping ahead of like, elect- <laughs> <electricity. laughs> I know I saw electricity farther on the list. You got to have <laughs> electricity. I don't see, yeah. I just don't see any way you can't have electricity in your milk room. I mean, it, I guess if you hand milk everything, but even at that, you've got to have some light because there's just times of the year that it's, you got to have light. So Uh got to have electricity of some kind. The heating and AC. Have I ever had that in my milk room? No. Have I seen other people that have had it in their milk room? Yes. And am I really envious of that thought? Oh, heck yes. Wouldn't that be nice to be able to take your coat off when you milk your goats in the winter time because your milk room is nice and comfortable.
1: Yeah, I agree. I really like that there. Um, And (laughs) yes, I've not, we don't have uh, a AC or heat in our milk room. Um, What we do have though, is we do have a giant overhead door that we can actually take down um, there. And so it kind of locks in all of the, the heat there from our heating furnaces. So that's really, or not our furnaces, but our, um, heat warmers that with the propane um propane heat warmers you know what I'm talking about right
0: i do so you have those in your barn
1: yes we have those in our barn oh wow that's
0: wow that's really nice yeah, yeah i don't so that would be nice um and cameron come on can't you just picture it a nice cool big room that is your milk room but oh hey i can also clip my goats in the air conditioning i mean wouldn't that be lovely
1: I'm envisioning it. Yeah. You know, my back still hurts thinking about it, but yes.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, if if you're going to go for the gold, man, that would be, that would be the top thing to get there.
1: And you gotta, um, ha- and you gotta have concrete and you gotta have, and, and you talked about earlier, some type have a drain.
0: Yes. You have to have a drain so that you can hose the whole thing down when you're done. Yes.
1: And that's, that's, that's something I never thought of until I toured a friend who was a small, scale dairy person in order to become grade A, grade B, something like that in the state of Illinois, all the walls had to be washable.
0: Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Sure. Yeah.
1: And and, you know, I don't know. I I don't think she's doing that still, but she when she was, they all had to be washable. So that's something if you ever want to scale up or if you ever want to start some type of business venture, I think that might be something to consider. It's like, hey, do I want to design this milk room in case I might want to, you know milk you know 30 goats and it'd be commercial and sell milk out of my out of my um house or something like that
0: right and and i'm gonna throw something else out there too um i've only seen this at lena Kunkel's house but a big screen tv in your milk room that can be pretty awesome
1: i am clapping (laughs) i'm clapping for lena i thought you were gonna say she's got a pool in her milk room
0: No, no, a big screen, and it was awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) the The TV in the barn is a must, according to my dad. And currently, yeah, we have. You have a TV in your barn? Oh yeah. Oh my god, we have five TVs in our house that are dead right now because nowhere will pick them up.
0: Oh my goodness, that's funny. Yeah, so you know, a TV in your barn. Can, can make those days of waiting for kids go by quicker. It can make your milking go by quicker. Definitely can make your, your clipping days go by quicker. So, you know, I suppose that's if you're really going to it all out, a television would be a good thing to add in
1: there. I agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, the last thing I want to talk about, facilities wise, is some type of system optimization. I think it's important if you're going to do it think about how you can do things efficiently in it so like um, with your facilities how where are you guys gonna put the automatic waters and we'll talk about that with equipment um, where are, are how are the how's the traffic flow gonna be in and out of the milk room um, you know what type of logical flow are you gonna have for chore wise in order to make sure that it's done efficiently because you don't want to spend well, maybe you want to spend, but some days I don't want to spend four hours outside doing doing chores.
0: Right, and and you want to remember save your back, save you know your body because farming's hard work and goats can be hard work too. So think ergonomically. What makes sense? What what conserves your your motion so you
1: can get things done efficiently, as you said. Yeah. System optimization. I talk about that a lot because sometimes we don't have that here in my place. <laughs> well, f-
0: frankly, most of us probably don't have it because, again, we just kind of put things together as we go without a lot of thought to it. So, yes, yes.
1: What so about equipment? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Equipment. Oh, yeah, equipment. Yes, yes, yes. Laura, how do you like your hay feeders in your dream barn?
0: Um. Well, I don't know. <laughs> okay. I don't have a good answer on that. And I'll tell you why I think goats are the most wasteful animals on the planet. So I have yet to find a hay feeding system that I'm hundred percent happy with. You're going to, ha- I think you're going to have waste no matter what you do. So, so, you know, I would say one thing about hay feeders, if you're putting hay feeders in the barn, which I'd like to have someday, you know, because the weather's so bad here at times, make sure that it's something that you can feed without having to go in to feed
1: it. Yeah, I think that's really important um, because, yes, I think that's super duper important. Whether it's a, like a fence line feeder, where um, maybe it's a small um, one flake system, or maybe it's a big it's a big hay feeder um, that just hangs on a fence. Um, that that's a really nice hay feeder there uh, that you can put in a barn and you can access right from a fence. I will say, be do you will be you will be astounded with all the hay buildup there from a fence line feeder right there. Or not a fence yes. line feeder, from a, from a hanging hay feeder right there. Um, You can do a fence line feeder. That's something as well um, that we've done. We've also done like a, a round bale feeder where we've literally taken a piece of cat-like panel and we've bent it around a round bale and, and done that before.
0: Yeah, we've done that too. And and um, I think Premier One sells kind of a unique panel system for round bales that we've used successfully that you kind of shrink it around the bale as they eat it. That that
1: can work. Okay. I have not seen that. That's interesting. Um, But the most efficient hay feeder I've ever seen with the least amount of waste is the, it's basically a hay box. That's what it is. And the goats have to stick their heads into it. And yes, they do pull some of it out, To eat them so there is a little bit of a pile up in front of the hay feeder but there's more of a pile up on the outside of the hay feeder than the inside very cool so i yes and that was made from us john mcpherson i'm seeing him this weekend um heck of a product there you created that does not have a lot of waste it's just cleaning out the boxes that's the bad part
0: I'll have to look into that. John makes good stuff, whether it's milk stands or hay feeders or, or whatever, a big shout out to him. He does a good job.
1: Yes, he does. Uh, Laura, grain feeders. You have grain feeders here on the equipment list.
0: Yeah. You know, we've used ones that what we're currently using are just ones that you hang on the fence and then we take those to shows with this too. But, you know, there, I've seen some fence line feeders, kind of like you mentioned with the hay. I've seen some combination hay and grain feeders. Don't know how well that would work with goats. Um, but, you know, again, you want to find some, some kind of a system that is going to reduce waste that the goats can't get their feet up insides, you know, so they can contaminate the feed and something that you can feed quickly and easily. So you're not spending a lot of extra time with that.
1: Laura, have you ever looked into those self feeders that goats have? I, mean, I think it was originally used. I've seen it originally used in pigs, but. The self feeders where you just pour a bag haven't. of grain into the be- nope. into the thing and it just dispenses it out.
0: No, I haven't seen that. I'm I'm afraid that um, <laughs> I, I'm afraid they'd overeat with it, but maybe not. You know, maybe that would maybe that would work great. Have you used those or seen those in use?
1: Yeah, Catherine's used those before and she likes it. Um, just because, you know, you can put a bag of feed in there and not have to worry about them for three days. Um, and And it takes care of the whole pan, essentially three, four days. I don't, I don't know the exact thing there. Um, but I will say they eat it rather quickly. So what I would love to do is to create some type of timed release system. I know maybe my brain is just thinking here where every 12 hours, X amount of grain is released in the system or something like that, that they can have access to.
0: Oh, that'd be cool. Yes.
1: And maybe I'm just, maybe I'm crazy. I don't know, but I'd like to see in a perfect world. And if I had a limited amount of money, that's what I would do. I, I would build it probably. Or, or what if you had a little fob on the goat's
0: collar and when they walked up to it, it dumped out the perfect amount of grain just for that goat.
1: Yeah. Like they're doing that in cows. Yeah.
0: I know. I think they could do it. Yeah. Um, what about watering systems? Because I like, um, the watering system is, um, uh, at my house is hauling a hose down and filling up all the water buckets with it. I've never had an automatic watering system that, you know, just filled itself up and was multi-seasonal. So it didn't freeze up in the winter. So,
1: so yeah, we've got a, we have um, some automatic waterers. They are lifesavers, I will say, and time savers in the same, in the same way. You know, when we talk about system optimization, I really think those are perfect to optimize any goat farm. So, do you have the ones
0: like the Ritchie waters that yeah, that you yes. dig underground and it it fills it up that way so
1: they don't freeze? Yes, that is what we do. The tops will freeze, but not the inside of it won't that yeah, I think that sounds like really
0: I think that sounds really awesome. Are they difficult to install? No, the biggest problem
1: with them is having to uh build or or trench the water to them, okay. So I can see that. That's and then you obviously need a trenching guy to do that and specialized equipment and make sure there's no ground electrical that's being um run there. Oh, can we go back to the electrical thing for a second just in the barn? Sure. Yep. Okay, so so I was just thinking about this with the water is when you have electrical, make sure you're running your your electrical whether you're run, if you're running them underground, make sure you're not running them through the pen. Oh, yeah, of course. Yes, you don't I, want to have I, to dig up your yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I that almost happened to us actually. Um, you know, we were hitting the ground conduit of of the electrical when we were cleaning out our pens one time.
0: Oh yuck! That's bad.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's that's not there. But the back to the watering systems. The biggest thing with the watering systems is one: do not place them near um, the hay feeders at all. Okay. Yeah, because, yes, because mud oh I was thinking more like hay just gets in it yeah
0: no I could see that I could see and, it'd be a, a big old mess
1: and then figure out a way in order to make the goats not poop in it
0: <laughs> and how do you do that Cameron
1: <laughs> that's a mystery of the world Laura
0: <laughs> you mean that's that's the cousin of how do you get goats not to waste hay right yes
1: absolutely
0: yeah right right well, that's, I mean, I think those are good things to consider. So, you know, maybe putting on, on the outside of the pen, but making it so the goats have easy access. I don't know if that could work or not, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think when you think about your milking, milking room, there's lots of different stanchion ideas for, for milking your goats, then that kind of fits into the whole equipment question. Um, Do you want single stands? Do you want one big stand that can hold a bunch of does at a time? Are you going to milk from the side or are you going to milk from the back? Are you going to hand milk or are you going to machine milk? Those are questions I think that you need to ask yourself as you're considering what kind of equipment you want for your milking system.
1: And then one thing you might want to consider as well is how fast do your goats eat? Because that might be a condition on how many goats you want to milk at, at, at a time.
0: So explain that a little bit more,
1: Cameron. I think I know what you're talking about, yeah, though. Yeah, so – and I look at this in terms of system optimization. So, for example, if you are milking one goat at a time, they might not necessarily have enough time to eat all of their grain. So maybe you want to milk two at a time. Well, and maybe well, – let's just say three at a time in order to allow them to have enough time to eat their grain. So really figure out, okay, are my goats pretty aggressive at the feed milk, which we all hope they are. Um, but, um, really kind of figure that out before you really kind of look at, Hey, how many do we want to, uh, milk right now? And what type of system do we want to put in?
0: Yes. So I, will share a little personal experience with that. When we went from, um, two stanchions in our barn, but a milking machine that only milks one at a time, when we started milking two at a time. I noticed that my production dropped because they didn't have as much time to eat. So if that makes sense. yeah. Oh, it makes perfect sense. Um, so yeah, definitely thinking about that, you know, making sure that they do have enough time at the stanchion to, to, to eat. And how do you want to make that work out? So, um, you also might think about the personality of the goats that you have. And if, if you're starting out brand new, of course you won't know that yet, but, um, Some goats will bite ears and fight when they're on a stanchion next to each other. So you might have to consider putting um, barriers between them. Other goats get along just fine and don't have a problem eating together. So something else you might
1: think about. Laura, that sounds like a purebred Alpine problem.
0: (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm Uh, guessing you have that problem in your barn too, huh?
1: (laughs) No, I would never. No, never. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Yep. One thing as well as a milking machine, and and I think this is important because um, if you're taking a lot of milkers to a goat show, you might want to consider: okay, do I need two milk machines? One that's smaller and lighter weight, and then I can have the big heavy one sitting at home. Um, do I want uh, a, one with oil? Do I want an oilless milk machine? Um, you know, do I want? You know, there's so many things to consider with a milk machine. Also, how many goats do you want to milk at a time?
0: Right. For sure. And
1: I think, I think that we're going to hit this on a
0: future topic, right? Yeah. Yes, I think so. I I think that we're going to talk to, we're going to have somebody come in and really talk about building milking machines. But one thing that I've learned kind of recently, you can put together a milking machine that's stationary at your home for a lot less than you can buy a ready-made transportable milking machine system. Um, the, the cost of that vacuum pump is much higher when you get one of those nice little portable ones, but you can get somebody who can put together a stationary machine that is not transportable. So like you would have it just installed in your barn somewhere. Um, and you may be surprised at the difference in price between that and a portable system.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one there. Laura, any other type of equipment that you think you would need other types of labor saving equipment or anything there
0: i don't think so you know i think again if you're starting out or starting over or just you know really thinking about that those are all considerations that you need to put in there you know i don't i sure we could touch on things like skid loaders or manure handling systems or things like that but you know that's a little beyond the scope of i think what we want to hit today just have a plan for your manure that's always a good thing
1: (laughs) yes that is true i and i think um this it let's move let's move here into um kind of the animals. And I think this is where it kind of gets a little bit more interesting and more kind of a passion for Laura and I wouldn't you say. I would think so, yeah. I think so.
0: So um Go ahead. Let's just let's just hit it running. You start. So I think
1: the the first thing you have to look at and starting out with animals and I, Laura and I might kind of disagree on this one here, but what's kind of the health status of the goats? You know, are they, yeah. are they, have they been tested? You know, for CAE, CL, Yonis, um, again, um, I'm a firm believer that if your goat has CAE, it can live a long, productive lifetime um, and not show clinical signs of it as well. Um, but, um, you know, are there other issues that might come with it as well? And I'll, I'll take, for example, here, um, are there other issues that might appear in different areas of the country that you are not familiar with that might manifest itself? Um, and your herd because it gets br- brought into the farm.
0: Most definitely. And, and I think having that relationship with whomever you're getting your, your animals with is so important because you need, you just need to have that honest, everything on the table, heart to heart. You know, if you've never dealt with, uh, let's throw sore mouth out there. Okay, Cameron. Okay. Is sore mouth a disease that's going to kill your herd? No. Mm. Is sore mouth a disease that can be a real problem? Yes. And if you've never had sore mouth, it's going to go through your whole herd if you bring it in from somebody's animals. So, you know, knowing what you're getting into, it's really, it's just important to know what you've got. Um, On the whole CAE question, I would never tell somebody don't buy an animal that is CAE positive because there are too many awesome animals that are positive. Um that it would be a shame to lose those genetics. so I'm just gonna start out by saying that. but what I will say is don't ever buy an animal that's not tested. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think I think I understand because I deal with a lot of buyers every year that questions as a, as a seller of goats, I am often annoyed with questions and I will that's the first one I'm going I'm gonna be honest with you guys. But keep asking the questions because it's important for you guys as buyers to have the most peace of mind that you know that you're getting a quality animal. So don't ever stop asking questions because it's in your every right. And if you don't think it's a right move, say no. Right. And and don't feel guilty about it. You know,
0: it's in the end you're taking this animal home to your barn so you know if if there's something that that is tripping your trigger inside and you think i'm not sure that this is a good idea listen to that little voice inside and just say you know i think we're just gonna have to i i just don't think this
1: is the right time
0: and just move on from there
1: yes i agree on that there what about moving past the health issues there what about just starting out um You know, how how do you kind of find a foundation animal or or where do you even look? Well, I,
0: as I've told people for years and years, I think the best place to start is going to a national show and just observing. I I think that that opens your eyes to the top herds in the country. Now, whether or not you're going to buy from them, it gives you an opportunity to see what, what the top animals look like. And move from there. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And then from that point, I think there's a couple of different ways you could go, you know, certainly starting with a kid many times is the most economical way to do it because kids are easy to ship. They're a lot less expensive to ship than a mature animal. Um, You know, you can, you can usually put a reservation on a kid and, and, you know, start that way. But I would also encourage you to talk to some established breeders. Let them know that you're serious about what you're wanting to do. And maybe they've got an animal that is beyond her prime as a show doe, but that has proven herself as a good brood doe that they would let you have. Or maybe they have twins out of you know, twin does that are milking does, but they have too many milkers in their herd and they really want to see this doe go to somebody's herd where they can develop and, and hit their highest potential. To me, those are the kind of animals that you really want to try to seek out to start a new herd. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think on that, I, I think the biggest thing with starting out a herd, uh, herd is do your research on the lines of the goats. Say okay, I really like this one, and I kind of want to. I kind of know what this looks like. Um, And sometimes it honestly might be just pure luck or or pure accident that you stumble upon something. Um, And I'm thinking about one of our specific lines that we brought in, and it was pure luck that we simply got the animal, and then we made someone mad in our family because we bought the animal. But um, (laughs) that's that's a real story. Um, Would that
0: be a sable?
1: Yes, it would be a sable. Um, yes. <laughs> she went on to um, eat her words, but um, the human, obviously not the goat. But um, the, uh, the, the biggest thing is when you're finding animals, understand the pedigree. And even though, and, and I'll, I'll take some cases, even though the dam might not be your specific style, if you like the dam line, that might be um, kind of where you want to go. Right. I, I would agree with that too. Yes. And I think it's all about starting with strong dam lines, those dam lines.
0: I, I would say to anybody that would ask me, the number one thing you can do is to, to find that strong dam line and then breed off of it. I think it's so tempting if you're, if you're trying to start out to grab this animal here and that animal there and Ooh, I like that one. And let's get this one. Um, but then what you kind of end up with is a herd of a whole bunch of mishmash if there's not a lot of commonality between them. So really consider starting with maybe two sisters or maybe a mother and her daughter or something that's closer related on that strong damn line. Wouldn't you agree, Cameron?
1: Yeah. Don't, don't be all hodgepodgey as we like to say, um, Really keep consistency. And, and I will admit, when we started with our Sables, we were a little bit hodgepodgy um, in some areas. Well, some other, other, other areas we weren't, um, but we had some mismatches, for lack of a better term. Um, did they end up panning out? No, not really. I would say the most prominent lines now through our Sables were with one specific dam line where we got two sisters, um, and they have ended up being the most impactful animals in our Sable breeding program.
0: And I think, I know in my, you know, small herd of, of Alpines, we started out with, I bought three does to start with. And, um, only one of those does, do we have animals that go back to now? Um, but every animal in my herd, except for one that I bought three, four years ago, Goes back to that original doe, and that's that's worked well for us because, especially when you're looking at bringing in a buck or or you know buying or leasing a herd sire or whatever you're going to do, if you have a common theme in your doe line, it makes it a lot easier to pick a sire.
1: Yeah, and I'll I'll capitalize that and compound it on the third herd that's not even related, uh, Alpines or Sables Wise and, and Catherine's Tog herd. It's the same way. Most of the animals, except I think two go back to one original foundation though so again I really think it's important to set a specific type with an animal that you bring in and keeping that type really consistent
0: I would agree with that and you know somebody's heard that I really like to look at dam lines is Craig Copeman um, he does a really neat PDF sales list every year and I love the way he organizes it because while you know he has a a, a large herd and he has many dam lines you can see that consistently consistency that goes through those lines and and really see this grandma and then her granddaughter and then that doe's daughter and then that doe's daughter um and how he's developed that line through there and that's really paid off well for him
1: oh totally there um i, I think along that lines what about Anything else, really, you want to talk about bringing in new animals, tested, strong down lines what else?
0: Um, afford the very best that you can, but also know that spending a whole lot of money is not necessarily the best that you can get. Is is that making any sense when I say it that way?
1: Yeah, you could spend all the money in the world and still come out with crap. Um, right, and, so... And it's, just pandora's box literally that is genetics sometimes
0: it is and and if you don't feel like that you have an eye yet to know what you're looking for find a mentor who can help you with that especially if if you Are getting into a new breed and you're not real familiar with the breed somebody who's been in that breed for a while really can give you some good guidance to help you understand what you're looking for and and maybe some things that you hadn't considered so I would say that money isn't everything but don't be afraid to to put the money in that it takes to buy a good foundation animal you're going to be money ahead if you can do that
1: one thing that I really reflect on, and I know this person um, listens to the podcast, is when she came to my house, she asked a bunch of questions, and it was mostly about dam lines and goats and projections, and you know, how do you think this one's going to look? And then what she said to me was, I don't really know kind of what I'm looking at, but I think I like this one. And I said, okay, well, let's compare her to the rest of it. And if you and if you find someone that will do that and say, okay, now which one do you like, And she says, okay, it's, I like this one. Well, that's the one you're getting a bucket or a dough out of. And she's like, okay, well, I feel like I'm smart now. So really work with a breeder and find someone that's pretty open and honest with you. And and sometimes that might not be, um, you know, a big breeder. It might be a smaller breeder um, that will work with you and and really have the opportunity to um, talk about the lines.
0: Yes, I would agree with that too. And, and realize that, Most breeders want to help new people get into the breed and it takes a lot of time to be a mentor too. So, you know, be appreciative of that gift that they're giving you because it's, it is a gift to have somebody who, who can talk goats with you and who can help you understand. That's, that's a really special thing.
1: Yes, I agree on that. All right, Laura, anything else? Starting out, starting new, starting over?
0: I don't think so. I think we've kind of hit all of it, Cameron. Um, you know, as always, if there are specific questions that maybe our podcast brought up, don't hesitate to get in touch with us and and ask us because that's what we're here for, and we we'd love to to talk goats with any
1: uh, with any of you. So absolutely. So um, I am starting my judging circuit. I feel like Ryan. I got called Ryan Rash the other day, uh, this week. So if you do, <laughs> if you do see me, I promise I won't do a glitter slap, but uh, I was just
0: going to ask, are you going to do a glitter slap on us? So <laughs> thank you for not doing that. Be,
1: there will be no glitter slap. Um, I start my judging circuit, um, this week here, three shows in 10 days. Uh, looking forward to seeing some people out there. And, um, if you do feel so inclined, come here. I feel free to shake my hand and, and introduce yourself. I'd love to uh, get to know the listeners.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as most of you will have discovered by the time you listen to this podcast, we're changing our, rec- our um, release day to Wednesday, um, kind of works out a little bit better for uh, the schedule that Cameron and I have. And, and also we kind of figured that uh, that way, if you listen to Ringside, that comes out on Monday, so we'll come out on Wednesday. So give you a little more um, goat addiction feed there, you know throughout yeah. the week. So hope, hopefully that that'll work okay for everybody. So thanks for your patience as we got this episode out. So um, as always, please look us up on Apple podcasts or Spotify or um, whatever platform you listen to us on. And we would love your feedback or a, a like or however you want to rank us. We we'd appreciate it. And thanks for being a listener.
1: And just because you haven't heard um, your feedback implemented yet it doesn't mean that it's not appreciated yes whoever commented on apple Podcasts and said we need to make this shorter uh I, we did hear you i just wanted to let you know that we just have so much to talk about
0: right right but we certainly do appreciate your constructive feedback so um everybody thank you for being part of our podcast and have a great week